Hello, good friends. Welcome back to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I am your host. If you can do me a favor, I want you to make sure that you reach out. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Veeam Software. Veeam Software is something that I use all the time myself, uh, so I am truly a, an end user, a lover of the platform, uh, also just a fantastic group of people. Uh, so please go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. Uh, check it out. Make sure you see uh, how they can help you with your data protection needs, whether it's on-prem, whether it's out in the cloud, whether it's on your Office 365, and lots and lots and lots more. So anyways, go check it out. vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. Uh, and that helps to let them know that you came from old Disco Posse podcast. This episode is featuring the founding team from Hasura. This is a, one of those stories that it just reminds you of the importance of why we do things. Not only are uh, Tanmai Gopal and Rajoshi Ghosh doing something amazing as far as technologically, but the way they're doing this is what will really kind of warm your heart. They're really, really bringing the idea of empathy into the way they build a community and they build a platform. So enjoy this and make sure you visit hasura.io. I'm excited today because this is a chance to, you know, every once in a while you, you see something and then you think that's really cool and, and you dig into it. And as a, as a sort of a self-proclaimed nerd, I'm always looking for neat ways to solve specific problems. And I stumbled upon a, a neat platform recently and it was exciting then to, on the heels of discovering it, to then be introduced via... Uh, Amber Rowland. First of all, shout out to Amber Rowland, too. She's a fantastic PR person, just somebody who, uh, and just an amazing human. She's a, an incredible person. But she introduced me to the team at Hasura. And we are going to talk about the Hasura platform, uh, your kind of approach to things, the problems you're solving, and also just like y your stories, because that's, that's, that's as important sometimes as the products that we build and is, you know, why we do it. And, and how we arrived at the start line together, because there's, there's usually way more of a neat story behind how you got here than there is in, in what you're doing right now. Um, so with that, Rajoshi and Tenmai uh, are joining us. We'll, uh, let's, you each introduce yourselves and then uh, let us know as well how you can get connected for folks that want to meet you, you know, get connected online with you. Absolutely. Uh uh, thank you so much for having us, Eric. Really excited to be here. Uh, I'm Rajoshi. I'm one of the founders at Hasura. I, um, I, I come from a computational biology and, uh, and sort of, comp, uh, you know, bioinformatics background. So very sort of different from, you know, uh, things, uh, things today. So I was doing that and I was in genomics research and stuff. That was kind of my formal background and then uh, moved away from that to start and got into the, um, you know, startups and technology space and started teaching programming to a bunch of like upcoming entrepreneurs. And that was my uh, foray into, you know, the world of the like early stage startups and developers. Uh, soon after which Tanmay and I met and we started, we've been, we've been working together for a while. Um, our startup journeys kind of 
of collided. So before I kind of go into how Hasura started, uh, I'll wait for Tanmay to introduce himself. But uh, that's that's my story. I at Hasura, I um, spent a lot of my time looking at our sort of uh, uh, go-to-market motions, especially. Uh, it's very community driven. So a lot of the community um, driven sort of bottom up developer um, focused uh, journeys. So um, uh, that's where a majority of my time uh, is focused and a bunch of other things. But um, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll Welcome stop to now. Welcome like... where a bunch of other things is <laughs> an entirety unto itself. A team of 12 would normally handle a bunch of other things. And now you, and you got it on your own, right? <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned how to connect with me. I'm on Twitter. I'm Raju Shidhosh, my, my entire name, one of those things that I did. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter and on LinkedIn and connect with me. Um, I'd be happy to connect. Yeah, Perfect. that's me. And 10 miles. Uh, well, hey, welcome hey, aboard. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. for Thanks for having us, Eric. Uh, so happy to be here. Hey, everyone. Hope you all are uh, keeping sane, keeping well. Uh, I'm, I'm Tanma. I'm one of the co-founders at Hasura. I'm the CEO here. Uh, I I like radiography. Uh, I also come from a computer science background. I did my bachelor's and master's what seems like an age ago. Uh, and <laughs> I actually specialized in uh, machine learning and computer vision stuff. Uh, I did that. I did that for a while. I consulted for uh, for the government for, for like the government agencies and and for a few consulting firms. Uh, and I worked with them for a while. Uh, and then uh, I kind of wanted to dig my teeth into something more uh, quote-unquote real uh, and, and so I did a hard pivot into systems and programming languages and databases and infrastructure. Um, I, I did not uh, uh, I did not know that many years later <laughs> the machine learning and computer vision would be the most real thing around uh, but but that's it I'm uh, very uh, uh, it was, was a very interesting time. Um, unlike unlike Radoshi, I don't have much to show for my uh, computer vision machine learning background. Radoshi got published in Nature last year from her work over a decade ago. Um, but oh, but I just did the pivot. <laughs> I, I I just did the pivot. Uh, and uh, and then and then yeah and then Radoshi and I started working together. Uh, and uh, and uh, we started a consulting firm together. Uh, and uh, you know uh, it was a uh, it was a very interesting time. We 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 wanted to we wanted to basically build tools that that we felt would kind of um, solve systemic problems or infrastructural problems uh, and kind of be step functions in accelerating developer productivity. And uh, and we kind of had an, a sense of what those tools might be like, uh, but we kind of wanted to see and build them in practice. And we realized that the best way for us to do it as as first time founders is um, is to actually is is to actually work with businesses. Uh, and and kind of get a real sense for what the business needs are, what the technical needs are, and stuff like that. And so Radoshi and I started a consulting firm uh, where we had a small platform team, and we uh, and you know we had we had a bunch of people uh, who, who worked with us, and we started working with companies of all sizes, right? We would work with like some of the largest banks in the world, helping them move from monoliths to kind of cloud native um, architectures. We worked with you know two member startups, right? We worked with uh, smaller SMB type companies, right? And and what we noticed. Uh, over the few years that we were doing that uh, was was that our hypothesis around that problem uh, being that data access problem uh, we kind of understood a little more about that and 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 basically we noticed that this this whenever people are kind of undergoing this digital transformation or app modernization right uh, one of the biggest bottlenecks is this ability to access data um, and and that context has changed a lot, right? Like many, many years ago, it used to be, you know, everybody's kind of like, hey, uh, we have one database, it has all the data, um, 
And here's the application. It's internal, right? We're all in a bank. We have a database. We have a Java application. It's all in the bank. You know, everything talks to each other. Uh, but the, the world has changed drastically, right? It's like uh, uh, that data is required now by applications that are running outside a trusted network. Uh, it, it can be used by developers who are uh, in different teams altogether or by developers outside your organization. And, and we noticed that this problem uh, was, uh, you know, people were building stuff again and again to try to solve this problem. And we, we basically uh, built a way of automating this. And, uh, and that was fun. And, and we realized this was, was good. And that was kind of the start of, of uh, when, when we realized that here's something solid. So five of us who had started the firm, we came out, we raised a small VC money, and we decided to take this product to market. Uh, and this was around 2018. Uh, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it all began. Uh, if, if, I'm sorry for the long introduction, but no, no, that was, it's good. That was kind of it's, the introduction of how we got here. <laughs> it's, it's funny because we, I think anybody who's, who's listening, they've all lived through the experience of like count the number of, you know, authoritative, you know, ways to access data and, and applications. And so, you know, show me, it was like, we went through the, the soap years, then we went through mm -hmm. the rest mm -hmm. years, and mm -hmm. then we went through, uh, now it's like raw data access. Mm -hmm. You know, it, mm -hmm. my favorite thing would be when I'd go to a customer or go to a vendor and say like, hey, how do I interact with your platform? I just need to get data. They're like, oh, well, here's our SDK. I'm like, oh boy, like this is... The, the, the folks that are dealing and interacting with your platform don't use these languages. And I, yep. and I don't, and I mean, both English, you like, we don't understand what you're Correct. saying. Secondly, Correct. I don't Correct. write C sharp. I don't write, you know, Correct. I don't Correct. write Java. And mm -hmm. so the ability mm -hmm. to at least move towards like kind of restful interfaces and interact mm -hmm. programmatically with it was, was mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. But then how do you get the data? And now we had this problem of it was the next wave and we still face it all the time. Like, oh, well, easy. Let me just, you know, stand up some front end and, you know, it's like get it into, into an elk stack and all. And I'm like, I don't want to move my data around just to collect it so that I can query again. And thus your, you know, the idea of, of GraphQL GraphQL is, is really slick, but yeah. it's only good if it's front-ended by something that actually has access to the data. So maybe let's talk about, you know, the Hasura challenge that has been solved, you know, or sorry, the data challenge that's been solved by Hasura really in, in what you're targeting to do. Yep. 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 I think, I think, I think, and, 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 I, and, 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 and you know, you're, you're absolutely spot on, right? It's like, it's that, it's that you, you, even even as people who have data, right? Like the challenge is that you, you kind of want to give your consumers access to this data, but you want to give it to them in a governed way, right? Um, and you need to have some governance and control around it, right? You can't give them direct access to your database because they might bring it down, right? You you need to make sure that you expose certain models, right? Or certain, um, with certain security rules, right? Or with certain elements of traffic control or or quality of service controls, right? And And what you do is you typically build this service yourself. You have to kind of sit down, you have to write code, integrate to the database, you have to uh, expose these models, right? Connect them with relationships, expose APIs, right? Uh, and then every time somebody wants a new slice of data, you have to build a new API endpoint that uh, provides that specific slice of data, right? Um, and this problem um, has kind of gotten exacerbated because over over the last few years, what, what, what I'm sure 
you know everyone would have noticed is that operational data uh, is getting fragmented right you we used to have data that used to kind of be in one database right but now that that operational data is kind of getting split across a primary database and maybe a saas service like salesforce right uh, maybe that data is in in a primary database and then and then there's a part of that data in elasticsearch uh, there's a part of that data in an erp that you've had for a while right so right. so so we're kind of noticing that this online operational data is getting fragmented across these data sources and we're kind of moving to the scenario where there's no primary source of truth almost anymore right there's there's multiple sources of truth um the extreme end of the spectrum we have things like the jamstack architecture which is like this modern front end developer architecture where where it almost seems like there is not even a primary database everything is split across you know authentication services uh, data services file services right and so data is kind of split all over the place which means that you need something in the middle to semantically bring this data together and to provide the kind of security and performance and governance requirements that these modern applications need access to right and these modern applications are front end applications serverless microservices right uh, that's that's what you need to build um and yeah and actually fun, the the sort of quick background on this is also so we actually started solving the data access problem um kind of almost prior to graphql or parallelly when as you know graphql was happening so when we were look you know when we were in our consulting days you know we had kind of our own version of graphql you know and this was when our consulting team you know we would sit and build applications for other people and you know our team was super productive with it and we were like this is this is the bees knees and you know and then when we tried to talk about it to other people everyone's like hey you know what what you're talking about sounds a lot like graphql so why don't you just add graphql support so what happened so we were you know we were solving this data access problem all along and um, then sort of graphql started picking up and graphql came about and then the ecosystem around graphql like you know the front end tooling around graphql um, the developer community and experience around graphql started becoming really rich and then we were like hey you know what we are able to explain what we the value that hasura provides um, in a much easier manner by just giving people graphql apis right as as their data access you know uh, to solve their data access problems so that's kind of where like our data access um you know um world kind of met with the graphql world and then you know we had this graphql as this interface um to access data that like tanmay was mentioning is now being is is getting fragmented across uh, several different sources of uh, you know uh, several different kinds of data stores which are not just different services but also you know multi cloud and you know hybrid you know sort of uh, situations where data typically sits uh, in an enterprise uh, environment and also in just like any other kind of you know jamstack sort of environment and everything in between i think one of the biggest problems we bump into always is first where's the data next is where's the front end and then somewhere in that very fuzzy middle where is the logic live for yep. the organization and querying of that data and this is probably the this will be the war of that will take us through the ages that there are are many right ways you know and i i bump into this all the time certain languages or or platforms and they say look the whole goal of this is to like you said uh 10 is just give a semantic representation uh so that you can then do things be wary of where the logic lives because you don't that while sometimes we can put logic into that layer it becomes dangerous we want it to be without opinion 
ultimately, just a pure semantic representation. Absolutely. And then what's neat is now then you can, with that, you can wrap an ecosystem around it and then you can insert, you know, opinionated access to that data via a pure semantic representation. And it's so hard because when people develop a product or a platform, that it just, it's very difficult to stay sort of religious about that separation. And I say that yep. purely, like I use religion because it, it truly is that you have to just be whole and pure with that approach. And then how you interpret it, how you manage it, how you interact with it, there's freedom in that. But like the, the tenets of this pure semantic representation have to be there first. Otherwise, everything you do eventually has a risk that it could take out the whole origin of why you did it in the first place, right? Exactly, exactly. That's 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 very very true. And 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 and, and it's this and it's this. Uh, uh, it's one of those things that you. It's one of those things that I think is becoming even more important as like th th this need for having a need for having this kind of this this data layer that that represents kind of that gives you a semantic representation of of your world of data, right? Uh, that that provides those kinds of controls on that that gives you a boundary, a, a performant and secure and semantic boundary, right? Um, that that piece is becoming extremely important because the rest, the, this entire world is becoming so data driven, right? And as the world is becoming data driven, what is also happening is that people have better and better kind of frameworks and ability to 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 build business logic and to write code that impacts their end users, right? So so kind of compute. And the way that you deploy your compute is improving, right? Uh, stateless compute is improving. Frameworks are getting better. Serverless is nice. Containers are nice. Things are scaling automatically. Operational, like things are getting uh, less operational, right? You're, you're thinking, you're getting closer and closer to the idea of, hey, here's my user. This is what they need. Let me build exactly what they need. Let me fetch the data from here and here and here, and you're done. Bam, you're deployed, right? Like that, we're getting closer to that world. And this piece in the middle, Right. If you have this nice kind of piece in the middle that lets you say, I don't care where my developers are. I don't care where my users are. I don't care where my data is. Right. I know that by having this piece in the middle, I will have a nice representation of my data. I will have secure access to data. I can connect my business logic in my framework, in my language, in my, in my, you know, choice of the year, whatever framework is trending or whatever framework is my favorite framework because of the team around me. Right. I can use that. And I can provide business value to my end users, right? That's that's the dream, right? That's that's what we all want to do. And uh, and and the fact that like this this uh, it's getting easier to build things. The fact that you know data is kind of everywhere. Uh, this becomes a this becomes a really kind of important and neat piece uh, to to kind of help help teams kind of move towards this future of you know being able to build stuff fast, and being able to iterate fast, and provide value quickly, right? Yeah. So we have this sort of thing where we say like data is the new oil. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that's true, but there's no, the money isn't in owning the oil. The money is in refining it. Uh, and the, so the down, what people think is that just the, the barrel of oil, well, I can buy a barrel of oil for about $19 right now. That's actually, I wouldn't say that the data is the new oil is a good sign of attachment of value. What you don't realize is that for that $17 barrel of oil will result in thousands of dollars in downstream revenues to many other industries, refining, distribution, you know, et cetera, exactly. et cetera. And, exactly. and so that's really what it is, is that 
and and you 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 both sort of tapped into this thing of even the strongest minds and the greatest access to data is only really good if you have secure governed access to it and i think this is one of the big things i want to tap into tanmai and, and rajashi you talked about you know your data is all over mm-hmm. like out and i say you're like anybody you're listening you you got data everywhere right so how do you provide a way to have one singular representation and presentation of that data this is where the ooh comes in i'm like wow okay hang on a second no ops vcp vpc peering that's it, right? I can suddenly unlock my data into this representational yep. Yep. tool. This is, that's, yep. So let's dive into that. How do, you, how do you give that secure governed access? Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, I think um, um, uh, uh, I, because this is a podcast, I would love to kind of give you uh, 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 an origin story of the answer, right? Yeah. So um, we, th- this is a hard problem, right? This is a, there's many different ways to kind of uh, skin the cat, right? Like there's many different ways to solve this problem, right? You can provide uh, a bunch of APIs uh, that 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 connect to specific data stores in very specific ways. Um, and that could be one way of like, it's just a very specific solution uh, for a very specific data store. It solves only a very specific set of problems. But then what you run into is that, you know, your data is going to have many different shapes. Your database itself is going to be legacy. It's going to have indexes. It's going to have foreign keys. It, it might have weird names, right? It, 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 there's, uh, you might need a lot of flexibility when you query stuff, right? Your data model might evolve, right? And then suddenly this kind of like out of the box solution will stop working for you, right? And so really when we were thinking about this, we, we were thinking and we thought, what, what kind of systems have people built in the past that have solved a similar problem that we are trying to solve in the new world, right? And, and when we thought about it, we realized, well, actually it's a single database. A single database took the problem of saying, I have data in files, but to make that data accessible in these files, they provided an intermediate representation in the middle, which was historically say SQL. And they provided a SQL representation to say, let's model these entities that we will store in the files. Let's create a semantic representation of this raw data inside files. And then let's provide a way of querying it. Let's provide a way of securing it. In, in, in the context of a database, but the technology trend, the technology, the, the, the thought was very similar. It was solving a very similar problem. What we are now doing today is a, is a version of that problem. But our backend is not a file. Our backend is other databases. Our backend is services, right? And, and we're not as much at the database layer, but we're kind of at the application layer, right? But so, so what we really thought about is how can we, how, how do we bring that technology to the application layer? And so what we ended up building is essentially kind of a, a metadata engine that is the front part of a database. It's kind of similar to the front, the, 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 the top portion of the database that takes queries and does things, right? And so it's that front piece of a database that has a query compiler, a query executor, query optimizer, a row level security engine, right? And instead of making, uh, and it takes API calls as input, like API calls can come and GraphQL queries can come in. And then it takes those GraphQL queries, it understands them in a deep way using the metadata that it has, very similar to what a database is doing, right? It, it takes that and it says, oh, well, here's this query. Uh, a part of this data comes from Postgres. A part of this data comes from the Stripe API. A part of this data comes from this REST API that the users wrote. A part of this comes from a legacy 
like whatever OData API, right? So it, it figures it figures that out. It pushes that query down to those different sources. It attaches authorization rules. So it makes sure that if you're trying to access, you know, a user is trying to access their own profile data, the query that's going to the database is a query that selects for that user, right? It's a very precise query that embeds an authorization rule that selects data for that user, uh, which is again, similar to the kind of row level security engines that advanced databases have, right. but we've brought that to the application layer. So, so, so that's really the, that's really kind of the how of, of, of how Hasura works, right? Which is that front piece of the database with a metadata engine. And so, so when you're kind of using the Hasura UI or the configuration, you're clicking on models and you're, you're putting relationships together. Essentially what that, that experience is doing is it's creating metadata that, 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 that converts those data models into semantic models, into meaningful domain models and relationships across those models, allows you to tweak and refine them into what makes sense for your domain, allows you to attach these kind of governance rules to them, security rules to them, and bam, you're done, right? Now you have, now you have an API engine or you have an API layer for your uh, applications. Is that, so that I think, yeah, I, I think one of the, the, the interesting ways in which like we've ha had our users sort of like relay this information is they actually talk about how, you know, by using Hasura, they're getting, uh, you know, they, they get a better, they get better domain understanding and that kind of helps them build that kind of helps them build applications that get the, get the context of how to build the application faster. And they also, the other thing is this whole um, thing of enhanced, how Hasura enhances their secure, the security of their applications, because all of these different authorization rules are now actually available to you and you can see them. You can kind of view all of these different complex authorization rules on the side, sort of console. And that kind of gives them um, this sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, this enhanced security and then the third thing they convey is about like you know the faster time to market which is basically just the fact that a lot of the code that you need to write to build these apis build these data integrations these uh, you know uh, so, uh, write these authorization rules all of that is kind of taken away so these are things that you know we we've th these are the ways that we've started hearing our customers sort of talk about how they see hasura uh, you know influ like you know sort of once they start using it and as they kind of go on uh, with it. Well, and the, the, the thing that can't be understated in this is having built these systems and, and watched many, many systems over my IT career get designed, the like, the wham, you've got it statement that you just made, Tanmai, like, that's, that's massive. Like, this is it, the, the way in which you can bring these together in a pro, you know, first semantic representation, then build authorization back each in of themselves is a fantastically difficult problem and to be able to bring this together into one place like you said rajoshi this is like this is amazing because what you can do is it 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 makes you a better builder when you have to think about this when you expose it and quite often the only way we discover do we have authorization built into like table level, row level, app level, API level? We often find, I mean, I've, so I'm a, I'm a hack coder myself on certain things. And I do stuff with Ruby on Rails because that's how poor of a programmer I am, but it's so 
fundamentally easy to use Ruby on Rails. So I'll stand up something and I'll try and be smart and I'll put a little bit of restrictions in the in the views. And I think I'm an amazing, I've done a good job and I give myself a pat on the back. And then I do the same thing and I just do like .json and the same representation. And all of my secure data is sitting there in raw format. I'm like, ah, I haven't actually put authorization in here. I've just hidden it from HTML. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. it's yep. it's moments like that when a legitimate developer will when having to think about representing their API into Hasura, now they're like, ooh, oh cool. So I can actually move authorization further down into the data or further up into the application because they kind of then know this is what it's going to look like to the rest of the world, which is nice. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I, and I, and I think the, you know, you, for, for us, like this was a hypothesis when we started, right? Like all of this we can say with like hindsight 2020, but this is like, this is what we wanted to get to. And it's been amazing to see that happen. You know, one of our, um, one of our users is, you know, Philips Healthcare and, and, and they, they we, were, we had our first user conference, which was a big moment for us a few, a few weeks ago. Uh, and there were lots of kind of people who came on and talked about, uh, about, uh, you know, how they've been building things. Uh, and, and the architect uh, from Philips came on there and he was, he was talking about kind of their experience and how their setup is and, and stuff. And, and he said something that, you know, like it gave us like the warm fuzzies inside, which is that in, in, a heavy in a heavily regulated environment, right? It would, take, it would take two to four years to innovate, to build something and to add value to so many users and customers that they already have, right? It takes time because it, it should take time. Because you you have very precious data that belongs to people that you you can't you can't just 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 accelerate rapidly and be startupy and then just do stuff right, um, and they were able to bring that time to less than a year with Hasura to kind of you know everything from ideating MVP to building that application to going live in production right and 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 in a heavily regulated environment that was that was massive impact for them right and for us that was a kind of huge vote of confidence for what we've done because because that's really when the rubber hits road right it's like it's like this is this is serious data right like this is if if this data goes away somewhere uh, to to be able to rapidly use this data to build things to provide value behave like a startup but still have all of that compliance and and regulation that you trust an enterprise with right to be able to that that's amazing right if if, if, if i i have this dream where we get to this future where everybody can kind of give access to anybody else right um, and compliance and governance and security is just taken care of, right? That would be that would be an amazing world, right? Because we would be able to add so much value to each other. We just be able to build things so quickly, and we know that we're not leaking each other's data. We are we are treating each other's data securely, right? And and that that would be that would be amazing, I think. So 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 that that I think is uh, uh, is kind of very nice, and that security and kind of uh, data representation piece comes together. And Eric, uh, going back to uh, you know part of the question in terms of how this becomes like easily accessible. So again, at the user conference that Tanma mentioned, we actually announced Hasura Cloud. So we just launched our cloud version. So now um, you know you it's it's a completely managed uh, uh, experience. You know uh, where Hasura just auto scales for you. you. So you basically just take Hasura, point it to your database, bring in other data sources. You have that GraphQL endpoint in like I don't know under thirty seconds. And then you basically get productive, right? You bring in your existing data sources. And now once Hasura is connected, Hasura auto scales for you, Hasura is managed. 
and there's there's a lot of like sort of uh, uh, things packed into the Hasura cloud layer that help you sort of uh, you know run um, uh, run in production uh, and sort of um, you know basically like further you know have more confidence about the, uh, the performance and the security uh, sort of features at the Hasura layer. Uh, yeah, so that's that's something that we launched, and that's kind of the, that whole no ops uh, uh, experience that now developers uh, have access to with Azure Cloud. Well, so. and the interesting thing, so let me let me pause it to you both. If you so take move back eight years, would it be necessary or possible to do what you're doing today? And, and part of, especially when we get into the technology, it's very interesting that the market, it takes a long time for the market to arrive with what we've already been talking about for a long time. So I would, I would imagine that you probably had concepts of this for quite some time and a meeting of many opportunities brought it to reality. And I'm always curious, you know, when did you, you probably had this idea in your mind and then it suddenly became possible uh, because of the market getting there. And I think this is the, you know, like even cloud, like how long have we been arguing about whether the cloud is, is even, you know, while we're all arguing over whether the cloud is going to be important, everybody's already on it. You know, people always ask me like, so how many customers do you have that are using AWS? A hundred percent of them. Like every <laughs> single one of them, <laughs> like whether they that's, know it or not, they're using AWS yep, in one way. That's true. That's true. Right? That is true. As an yeah. example, Azure obviously still, you know, GCP underneath for a lot of different things. But so let's go eight to 10 years back where some of this technology didn't even quite exist yet. You know, how, yep. how, how would this have played out in that story then? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's, that's, that's a, that's, it, it, it's very kind of interesting to, to kind of go back there because I think um, th there were some th there's some interesting things that I think I think technically um, technically it would have largely been possible to do this but um, there were kind of other there were kind of other systemic problems uh, that 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 where this is, this did not come but that said you're absolutely right that there were precursors of of what uh, of what Hasra is doing. Um, one of the things was that operational data was not too fragmented. Most data was still living inside these monolithic single databases, right? Um, and, and that was kind of one, 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 one kind of contextual point there. The other is that you have, um, when we think about, you know, if you think about precursors to GraphQL itself, you have things like OData that the Microsoft ecosystem was big on. Where they were like, hey, we, yeah, yeah. we want a coherent, we want a coherent uh, REST API across across our systems so that the experience of consuming APIs from so many different data sources is at least makes sense to a developer, right? They don't have, they don't have to change their mental model entirely when they go from one system to another. And so that was kind of an attempt at solving this problem, which did become fairly popular in enterprise and amongst enterprise systems uh, because it kind of provided a, a sane, some sanity to, to the number of systems that you had. But it wasn't so much about still bringing those data sources together because data was still 90%, 95% of it was still in one place rather than it being fragmented, right? Um, on, on the GraphQL side, there were things like uh, Netflix, Falcor, uh, there's something like, there's a field set addition to uh, the REST API standard, right? Um, uh, SOAP, in a sense, uh, is also kind of a XML and complex version of GraphQL. 
uh, uh, trying to solve similar problems around creating these service-driven contracts between systems. But it was a little, it was XML, it was a little, it's a little too clunky. It's not, it's not too, it's not slick to use, like you said, right? Like RASCAL is slick. It's like, hey, JSON, I can query the JSON. It's a great experience, right? Uh, as opposed to doing that with XML, it's not, doesn't, doesn't feel as good as a human being. Um, so those are kind of some of the context there. I think, I, I think the biggest shift though, and I've left this to the last piece, the biggest shift, and I think is very related to the shift that is happening to the cloud, which is the shift, that mindset shift, where we are saying we want to we want to serviceify our technologies. We want to stop we want to stop building things that are not important to our business, right? We 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 want that to be taken care of, and and we want a flat monthly fee for that or a consumption model for that. We we want to serviceify things, right? Imagine the first set of crazy people who are like, oh, uh, we'll take your server, we'll put it on the cloud. You pay for it monthly, and you're like, "What? No! What are you even talking about?" That's that, right. That, people, that no that's the thing. People are like, "There's no way that someone's going to pay every yeah. month for something. Yeah. They could just put it in their data yeah. center." Like, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and 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 that's five times more expensive as me having my own machine that that's right next to me that I can secure with lock and key. Are you telling me that I'm going to stick this on the cloud and pay somebody like a rental fee for it? No, but it happened, right? It happened because of this secular trend of saying we have to make things easier. We have to focus on things that matter, and we have to we we have to let infrastructure companies take care of things that don't matter, right? Um, it's it's a standard. It's it has to happen for the industry to mature, right? The first roads that were built were probably like experts who came together and like hand assembled everything and the ingredients of the road to build the road. You don't build roads like that anymore, right? Yeah. You you get as many tools. You get pre-baked ingredients, you get machines, you get the only thing that you then need is the domain expert that comes in and says, here I am, I piece these things together uh, and I'm done. I build this road, right? If, if, if as, as, our techno, as our industry is maturing, the, there, there are two big things that are important, that, that, that were important to our timing, right? And, and the first was this serviceification of things. Things have to, things that are not relevant for your end user, you don't care about them. You, you, you want them to become a service. You want databases to be a service. It's, it's databases should be a service. You want your uh, compute to be a service. That serverless function in containers is your compute as a service, right? So that you don't have to operate it. You just write business logic, it works, right? Um, and, and then so naturally, when we think about this data layer, uh, 10 years ago, people would have been uncomfortable because they would have been like, well, no, this is too critical. It's too close to my data. I, I have so many kind of transformations to do. Right. I have so many security rules to do. How, I, I, it doesn't feel natural to, to outsource this in a sense or to serviceify this. But now we're in an environment where people don't care. People are like, we need to add value today. Otherwise, somebody else is going to add this value, right? Because there's this overall democratization that's happening. And if we don't do this, somebody else will do this. We need to be fast. We don't care about these things. We need to add value to our users. Let's, let's go, 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 right? Um, I think, I, and, I think, and I think that, that element of serviceification, that, that element of reducing the barrier, reducing the amount of expertise required to do useful things, right? That's, that's, like, that's probably like the trend from industrial revolution days. It's not new, right? It's, it's the thing democratizing like the ability to build things is is like 200 years old right and and that's very important because you need to take expertise complex expertise out and you need to convert it into a service and then provide a service right this has this trend has solidified over the last 10 years 
Uh, and that's kind of why I think we're seeing that kind of, you know, love from developers and from enterprise where they're saying, well, you know, this is, I, I don't need to have that kind of application server expertise. I don't need to know how to scale data systems. Uh, I don't need to have the expertise to like have the best way to query your database, right? Like how do I make it efficient? And um, how, how do I, uh, how, how do I know where I'm supposed to add an index, right? Like how do I uh, handle caching and memoization, right? How do I handle web and, sockets, right? And this so, is actually happening as well. Like this is like things that we're hearing from our enterprise users where they, you know, their job descriptions are changing, you know? Uh, yeah. And these are like the healthcare and financial services, um, you know, companies. And they're just saying that, you know, hey, we want full stack developers come with, you know, your front end, whatever front end stack that you're comfortable with, just full stack experience. You, you know, you're able to integrate with APIs. And that's just that's also going, you know, that's also speeding up the hiring process. That's speeding up, you know, being the ability to get like, you know, the best of people to work with you without like going and spending months and months to find that one expert who has that very specific knowledge of how to integrate this system with that system and you know uh, help the business kind of uh, ship a product which is very far from this particular piece of expertise but cannot do without so that's actually happening with the and i and i think that's personally something that is the most exciting piece about this you know outside of all of the technology that it is kind of that, like that sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the way that develop, like, uh, it just becomes accessible to so many more people to kind of like start building things fast and like building be, useful you know, things. Yeah, yeah, building useful things. So exactly. that's kind of what yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Uh, go back ten years ago, and it was probably still listed on the job requirement UML. Like, no one cares about you. Like, you shouldn't need to be able to go on a wall and map it out like the scene from A Beautiful Mind where he's, like, got all these things. <laughs> like, that's – you end up with DBAs and people doing these. And yeah. It's not that the role has gone away, but what it's done is it's, it's become more rapid to get to the end result. Yep. And the yep. performance is less – localize like that was exactly. the whole thing like you yep. said tanmai is the the data was in one spot it was in the mainframe you had mid-tier systems where we you know the first data lakes were these mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. mid-tier systems we would suck data out create mm -hmm. these vast uml diagrams mm -hmm. to define mm -hmm. the the model and then they would build optimized queries and indexes and do all these things to like tune for sub-second queries and now we've realized, well, no, with the, the dawn of distributed systems, we've built systems that have a lot of inborn caching, the ability to carry stuff throughout the application flow mm -hmm. where you can accept latency here and there. Now, it's certainly what we've, the more we abstract things, the more we introduce performance problems. Like I, I live this, this pain every day in, in life, mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. what it does, like you said, is you both nailed it. It's representing, you're basically a semantic representation of the business value. Mm, what exactly, exactly. is about. It's like, get out of the, and here's another thing. And, and I'll, you've both been around the industry in directly as creators of content and data and value, as well as now in, in the platform approach. The way that businesses operate financially has unlocked a lot of what we're doing today because I yep. also am old enough. I'm an older gentleman who 
when I say Rolodex, I'm not joking. I actually had one. Uh, but I remember when moving from buying servers to leasing them was seen mm. as this is, this is not going to sell because mm. people, the business owners, for one thing, felt the need to own it to like put their hands around the PO that no one can take this thing away from me. Mm -hmm. But then what they realized was as innovation began to occur in that industry, which was now democratizing and commoditizing hardware, mm -hmm. that model, number one, didn't work because you owned it planning to sweat out and, and depreciate the asset over many mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Well, but then on top of that, you were, the value of it from a business standpoint was depreciated in months, but the financial depreciation took years. So then leasing became, oh, I can suddenly, I can turn this over, you know, to the point where we've got these phones and like people now can, ref can just throw it in the garbage every, like, send it back to Apple every year and, and get this new, this plan. Like we've financially accepted that this is going to be the, the way to go. And the accounting rules have allowed us to treat assets and leasing of software licensing differently. So it's a, again, like that's why I love that 10 year old view. Mm -hmm. There's a beautiful sort of merger of many things which have now made this Correct. possible. And Correct. what I'm gonna Correct. love is that in five years when someone says like this just took, like this is, it happened so fast. <laughs> like, uh, I took a, I lived through a lot of very slow moving fast. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. That's that's true. That's true. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go into background because you when you started Rajoshi, genomics and and your 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 background. Uh, how much of that, and your study and understanding of that world influences how you approach technology? Um, I I mean, in a way, it's. It's, it's very similar, right? In the sense of, it, it's like, like at least with genomics and, and the approach, like from the angle that, you know, I came at it, which was basically, you know, as, as a bioinformatics or a computational biology person, it was a systems view. And you, you know, there's this data and you're trying to kind of like, it was, it was finding, so the specific work that I was doing back then uh, was kind of like, you know, annotating a genome and trying to find out like, what what genes in this particular you know genome were responsible for a few things but it's basically data and again there was like you know you're 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 trying to make sense of that data so um the use case was from this sort of biology systems thing but it's it's similar patterns with you know the fact that you know you need to data is valuable and then what you do with that data actually that's just the first thing you need access to the data in this case it was that you know that you know a lot had to happen to for the ability to geno for genomics data to even exist, that right. took a long time. But once it was there, there was just there was just like it it just sort of started off. It was just the first point of like you know many things to happen. So it's it's very um, in terms in terms of the fact that you know I guess the data has been the consistent part of even my journey. But I mean how it influences you know the work that I do day to day. Mm, I guess it would just be I mean um, uh, I I. I'm guessing like the kind of people you're working with again, because of that, the, the data thing that's sort of similar in terms of like, it's very about like, what is the value of data? How are you building data driven things? How, how do you, uh, how do you uh, sort of uh, uh, 
get productive with data really quickly. That's the mindset. And I think that's been helpful. And that's kind of been the sort of common thread from genomics to uh, uh, GraphQL, I guess. <laughs> so. you, you both use very good language in how you describe things because, and I'll, I'll, I don't even know if you know that you do it, but when you both see, just use value, you immediately say to people, it's, and it's funny, so startup founders, I suppose you've got some investors who hope that you're seeing the dollar signs of the value as well, but it very clearly comes out from both of you that the people are the ones that get the value. And how, how, how did that become, and how has that played out in the way that you build and do things? Because it is definitely, it's, it's, it's very, it's, subvertly obvious like i'll say like i i pick it up because i'm, I'm always listening for those things but uh how, do you, was that purposeful uh or is it just like what is it that made you think that way and act that way that's uh that's uh that's a that's a really neat observation i'm uh, that makes us thank you. I, I, yeah thank, thank you, you for it, the kind it, word. It, thank <laughs> you thank you so much for the kind. i think it, it, it's been if, if now that you've said it, and if I if I think back to our ways of thinking, um, I, 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 I we see that we see that as something as as a cultural value that we've brought to to our to our companies to to our two companies and 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 to the people that we've worked as well, and we kind of self select for like that that the set of people that we work with who who are like that as well. I think I think I think I think perhaps at some level it was a uh, almost a subconscious thing for us to say to to understand that like to understand that value comes from people um and and that making making people more free and making people more productive is ultimately is 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 the only is the only way we can we can make progress right it's the uh, people are our only hope people are all we have to live with like at, at any level right and 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 the the only kind of um it's very hard to be this is this will turn a little philosophical but I, i'll blame you eric because that's started. perfect that's, it how, was, that's how we wanted to go <laughs> it's uh it's 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 very hard to it's very hard to rationalize and justify being a capitalist or having a capitalist mindset in a world that is very unfair and and unequal and and you know, there's there's so, so many stark differences in privilege, and and the reason why we are here today, and we can do things like that, is because of so much unconscious privilege that we've been given that we did not know, right? And there is the, and it's terrible, it's sad, right? And 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 where are we all going? Is like what is going to happen to us, right? And 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 you think of like what are those threads, of of progress that we can make that that are almost that are as close to being universal as possible right what are those threads and it turns out that one of those threads is that if we are able to empower people and if if people are free to think and to do and to create uh in the way that they want and 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 they're able to figure it out for themselves that's that would be great that that is a universally good thing that we can do right that's a universally that's that's a good impact that we can have on the world around us right and that's really and i feel at a subconscious level that's kind of that's kind of how we've thought about it and that's kind of how we've approached things one of the things that we did 
and, and this kind of has has showed up repeatedly in 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 various things that we've done. I I think one 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 uh, of course it kind of fits into Hasura and that and and what we want to do with data. Um, but it also, for example, one of the things that we did during our consulting firm days is, is we ran a a course on modern application development. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, we was the, one of the largest uh, courses in the world, the largest MOOCs in the world. We had about 250,000 students in a year uh, take that MOOC. And, and, and we were, we were, we were, it was the first, it was our first time doing it. And we did a really good job. And I still meet people today. Uh, and, you know, I, I, we go for presentation. They're like, hey, you're the people who taught that MOOC. Thank you so much. I am in this, I am in this industry because of because of me doing that five six years ago and and we're like that's that's amazing that's that's why we're doing this this is great this ability to 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 give people the knowledge right to cross that knowledge barrier to say uh, i can do things myself i can build things myself right um and and i think that people-centric thing has played out for us time and again right from 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 all of the different things that we've done in the community that we build in the product that we build in the uh, in, in the ways that we also like you build, build the company around us. So, so I think that's kind of been this underlying theme for us to say that the best we can do is to empower people. That's the best that, that would be, that would be amazing. That is the only way we make it out of the shithole world that we live in <laughs> is that we, we just empower everybody every, as much as possible. And then people will figure it out. That's it. That's that's the future. That is the only way we get out of this, right? So, uh, anyway, does that does that make sense? It does. No, and it's, fan- <laughs> it's 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 beautiful because it's uh, I I believe wholly in in this philosophy myself, you know. And it's if I can influence somebody's life in some small positive way every day, then I believe I'm making progress because I'm helping somebody else make progress. And ultimately I believe that my successes are defined not by what I achieve, but who those I've helped achieve. And when we talk about user centricity as a a method of business, I often struggle when people use the phrase of like, we need to be user centric, which means we need users to tell how amazing our product is. I'm like, I don't think you know what user centric <laughs> means. <laughs> like, that's, that's not, not actually user centricity. However, like a user appreciated. Okay, yeah. cool. We're, we're getting there. But right, the truth, right. uh, you know, in, I also am, I'm of, so it's, it's neat that you brought up. So capitalism and this philosophy are sometimes at odds. Yep. However, yep. one begets the other. So it's my yep. belief that the powers of capitalism given to good people who will maintain that vision and not be turned towards the power of the system versus the power of the empowerment Yep. They now have the ability to do foundationally good things, which will have an amplifying effect. That's exactly. a very, very sort of, again, like philosophical thing. And, and, and you too are doing that. And, and I applaud you for, for that, right? It's, it's, and we can do it through technology. We can do it through user, you know, and like you said, just giving a course, teaching and having somebody, it's a beautiful feeling when someone comes to you and it's like, 
thank you. I did this. I read your blog 10 years ago yeah. and, yep. it, like, yep. and it taught me that I could do something differently and yep. now I'm doing it. It's, that's amazing. That's, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, but, but, yeah, but, 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 but thank you again for the, for the yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> and I think that's also like, that's also really nice. I think the developer ecosystem and the reason it's kind of like, you know, really building up and there's so much going on in the whole developer ecosystem today is I think that this is, I think this is something that's really percolating and, you know, um, you know, that whole sort of, you know, sharing of knowledge and uh, the openness. And, and this is also something I see like as a very stark sort of difference from my sort of research background, right? Where it's a little bit different and I hope it kind of gets there, but that's a, that's a very nice thing about this whole um, developer ecosystem where people are it's looking collaborative sort of, experience. You know, this collaborative experience and, you know, people putting their yep. work out there, teaching. And uh, so that it, it there's some things that are really nice about it and it's it's there, there are yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe it's now that you've raised that rajoshi it's a it's a question i bump into all the time and a, a a challenge i think is that we especially when we work in open source communities and we create open source yeah. platforms and communities uh and i always say like putting it on github does not is not how you make it open source it, that's open code uh, open yeah. source is a philosophy and a practice of engaging with the community uh, yep. But the challenges yeah. with an, uh, an adopt a widely adopted open source platform, it introduces at some point a challenge of where the open and large community has the potential to take it in a direction where the founders may not have thought it was meant or they do not wish it to go. We saw it kind of play out in Docker, yeah. where at some point, you know, Solomon <laughs> says... I uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not putting this PR in uh, because this goes away from our core tenets. And it was mm -hmm. like, oh, now we have an interesting conundrum because the community is the one that has the tenets now, not the founders. And so it's mm -hmm. a, there's mm -hmm. a bit of a dichotomy in creating yep. broadly adopted open source platforms. Have you have you seen that come out today in like even in Hasura or even in other things that you've used and what are your thoughts on, on how we can kind of be better about that? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, you, you, you absolutely, there's a very natural, uh, there's a very natural tension, uh, especially for open source companies that are backed by, uh, commercial entities, right? right. Because there's a, there's a bit of a tension there. Right. And, um, the, the, the nice thing about open source though, is that there's always this kind of ultimate freedom to say, um, especially as technology and tools become more widely adopted is to say, Hey, I can take this, I can take inspiration of this and I can fork this to do what I need to do and to make it better in a way that I want to make it better. And it's great. It's amazing that this power exists. Right. Um, and, and I think, and I think that's, that's always kind of the safeguard that's built into open source, which makes it amazing. I think the way that we think about, uh, there's, there's obviously this tension, right? The way we think about, um, about about building a business on top of open source is that we think that the the economics and the ergonomics of using Hasura should naturally tend towards uh, towards towards a towards a commercial towards commercial adoption for Hasura, right? Where 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 it's not an artificial kind of add-on or a restriction that you feel reduced your accessibility to the product, which is what open source was doing, which reduced your access to community, which is what the open source community was doing. You, you, you don't feel that reduction, but you feel that very naturally as, 
as as your applications become mission critical the ergonomics and the economics of running a mission critical application when you are getting business value with what hasura is doing you are willing to naturally share that business value with us because we helped you in that journey right but it has to kind of tend towards that very naturally that's something that we've been kind of very deliberate and thoughtful about it's not solved yet uh but 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 it will i think at least that's a guiding principle that will take us there. how can we not impact accessibility and community right but still make sure that as the the business value accrues around the economics and ergonomics of usage in mission critical environments right how how can we naturally help you give us a slice of that so that we can kind of go and add value to your users together right what is that natural motion that that we fit into right so that's something that we're being very thoughtful about. i we, we don't have an answer to this yet and and there's going to be natural i think bumps that we hit along the way and what not but but again like the, just being very conscious about the people that we work with our uh, the people in our in our communities and and our customers i think we'll we'll be able to figure it out in we'll we'll be able to guide it together but but it's not easy and there's no playbook right yeah it, it's, that's it's, true yeah, yeah. It's, hard. it's hard i think that's the biggest problem like you said the question hasn't hasn't been answered nor nor even when it is no. will it be finally answered i i think it will exactly. it's a there will be a continuous evolving you know way right. in which we see commercial and open work together i'm a huge right. believer in both sides because i you know and it's kind of funny if i look you know again everything old is new again i i lived yep. in vancouver for years and the beautiful area that i lived in was surrounded not not my house for certain i was renting <laughs> but they were you know these three to five million dollar homes which 40 years before that were basically these little tiny you know ranch homes that were right. people basically got squatters rights on the land and now right. suddenly two generations later they were worth millions of dollars and those same people were now like making decisions around how we should continue to develop that area right. and they suddenly right. had right. these funny very commercial sounding rules around how it, we've got to make sure it looks nice and all this stuff like that's weird your your parents pitched a tent here and that's why you're here why are you saying that no one should be allowed to walk a dog with no leash it, it's there will be this tension and, yep. and i think that yep. the fact that yep. you're aware yep. of it and that you use guiding principles into it those decisions will play out in the right way as as right yep. as they can be you know, and, and it's exactly, exactly, exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. What's your, what's your biggest hope as we head into the second half of 2020? What would you like to see for, for you and for the world uh, as we go into the, the, the back half of a very challenging year? Rarushi, would you like to take that? <laughs> <laughs> that is the genomics experts got to stand up front because there's a whole lot of, exactly. a whole lot exactly. of medical exactly. need in what we've got uh -huh. here. <laughs> uh, a vaccine. <laughs> I think that's what we're, we're all hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, uh, well, yeah, so I think it, it, for, for everyone out there, just definitely hoping that we sort of emerge all right at the end of, you know, COVID, that's sort of the hope. Um, things are like, even where we are, it's, things are getting pretty bad. So that's definitely um, the, the, the main concern. And I hope 2021 is uh, very different. But um, yeah, and I think and it, 
you know, with, with Hasura, it's, it's, you know, it's been, um, you know, we've been, we've been, I guess, I would say lucky in a way that like, at least we were set up as a remote distributed company from, you know, last since 2019. So, you know, the transition to this year has like over the last few months is from that front, not been, not been terribly challenging, but of course, like it's an, it's even for people who've been working remotely all through, this is a different way of working remotely. So there's, there's that, but at least some of the logistical issues were possibly, uh, you know, uh, less, uh, we had less of an impact, but we're excited for, uh, you know, work-wise, we're sort of excited for what is to come uh, for the rest of the year. I think we have some really exciting things planned as part of our product roadmap. Um, you know, we'll be adding support for other databases, uh, bringing in, you know, bringing the Hasura experience to sort of more people. Um, you know, cloud is in public beta. That's going to go, you know, into GA zone. Um, uh, sort of so so from a product perspective uh, and company perspective we're excited looking forward to it but definitely definitely top of mind is the covid vaccine yeah this is <laughs> going to be a uh, this is a, a wild time i think and the the interesting thing is that the timelines have never have not changed from how we do things in society what yep. we have done is we've become hyper aware of them because of yep. just yep just broad accessibility of information and uh also more i'll call it news data it's actually not news information because information Im implies that yeah. it's been tuned and 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 honed uh to before we got it uh so we we've we're still getting data uh and we still have to do a lot with it and and even worse just like systems they're not always good when there's opinions put in them. <laughs> so i think we've also got that struggle but uh and the good thing like you said the difference between being a remote workforce yeah. and what we're experiencing right now yeah. are, are not the same. And, and it's, a lot of people ask me, I've been a remote worker for, for a long time. And they said, oh, this must feel normal for you. I'm like, oh, no, no. You know? yeah. And people that suddenly have to work in this way, they're like, oh, so this is what working from home is like. I'm like, no, working from home is a very planned process of setting yeah. up your day your interactions your schedule there's a lot of you design your work experience this was not designed it was yeah. thrust upon us and we've been trying to back into it saying that we we are good with it but i i don't know we're not and it's okay to say you're not and i think that's what's yeah. cool so i yeah. you know so i i'm excited for what you so you've you've got a beta tester uh, i know a certain podcaster who is really ready to roll <laughs> on some uh, <laughs> cloud. so uh we will connect and 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 i'm going to dig into the platform as well uh and and i'd love to share share thoughts and we'll get connected again you know a little further down the road uh as we get through to the summer because i know this is typically show season when we're all like, I'll see you at, you know, company event X and, uh, and we don't get that anymore, which also is a challenge for businesses because that does actually drive a pretty significant awareness and yeah. ultimately, you know, revenue that, uh, that comes downstream from that. So, you know, I, I, have, I have high hopes and wishes for you and the team uh, and I'll do what I can to help you to get there. Uh, so thank you for taking the time with us today. So for folks that want to find out more, we'll have links in the show notes, of course. Uh, but you can go to hasura.io. 
uh, you'll be able to uh, to get much more information. Uh, so today, as we talk, of course, there there the the cloud option is there, which is also economical. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, so thank you for doing that. And also, of course, the open source uh, links are there for folks that want to just kind of dive in themselves and see what it is. But it's, it's really more than anything. Great businesses are built from great people that are solving challenging problems that they've experienced themselves. And that's like, if I were to say this, the formula for the, a successful business, both uh, emotionally and commercially, because I think we have to succeed first in you, people have to believe in you. And they, I mean, that's look, every VC will tell you that same thing, right? You, you're investing in a team not in yep. technology. It's team yep. first, technology second, and you know, team technology TAM, right? Team technology yep. and the total addressable market. Well, you've got yep. a bloody huge technical uh, addressable market on this one because a lot of people <laughs> have data that needs help. Uh, so that's, that's, true. that's pretty true. cool. So, uh, thank you for sharing the time with us today. And again, folks, make sure you do subscribe. Uh, if you can hit the old subscribe link on whatever your, uh, your uh, podcasting app of choice is. And uh, make sure you keep your eyes on, uh, on future announcements here uh, from the Hasura team. And, and thank you both for, for taking the time today. Thank, thank you, you for, having us, for having us, Eric. Yeah, thanks for listening in.